Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. I have not seen that video. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Hey, um, we are in our last week of talking about For Better, For Worse, a uh, series all about relationships. We have tried to keep this uh, series about friendships and dating relationships and single and married. And today, I'm just going to let you know, uh, uh, this is not for friends with benefits, okay? We're going to be talking about sex this morning, so let's just, I tried to play a couple of songs, but all of them are inappropriate when I was going to say that, Um, and thank God for Shannon Dalrymple, because he's like, you can't play that song. It says this. I'm like, really? But the the rhythm's so good, you know, it just, anyways, um, so thank God for our, yes, our worship director. Um, Hey, but but let me be real honest. This morning, just to be real transparent. This is a message that's just t- tough to talk about, right? I mean, let, let's be honest. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get awkward, so let's embrace the awkwardness, okay? Let's embrace it. There's going to be some silent, awkward moments like this. And if you're sitting by your kid, it's going to be real weird because we're talking about sex, baby. Let's, anyways, um... <laughs> I really have to stick to my notes. I promised my wife that I would stick <laughs> to my notes. Um, but as, as uncomfortable as this topic can be and is for a lot of us, let me say the culture is shouting a message about sex. And the church has been silent too long when it comes to this topic. And we need to know what God's view not what everybody, not, I'm not a Hollywood hater, um, but not what Hollywood, not what the news, not what the school, not what our politicians think about sex, but what does God think, what is his intention when it comes to the area of sex in our lives? And, and let me talk to parents for just a little bit this morning. Um, you need to talk to your kids about sex. You do. Well, it's just too weird. Well, yeah, it's weird. I get it, I understand, it is weird, it is uncomfortable, but it's not gonna get any less weird and any less uncomfortable until you start talking about it and they need to hear from you, not their buddies and not their girlfriends. They need to hear from you. They need to know they can go to you with questions so they can hear it from your perspective 
and your wisdom and your knowledge. And parenting isn't about just doing the fun things. It's about doing the needed things. And this is something you need to do with your kid and talk with them. So today, um, I want to talk to us a little bit for a little while about sex myths. Sex myths. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and the Sasquatches that want to invade our lives when it comes to the area and the topic of sex and myths that we have bought into and that we think, man, well, maybe it's true, maybe it's real. And, and let me say this, before we get into the message this morning, before I get into my points, I wanna say, man, if, if you're here today and, and this sermon, you're like, ooh, ooh, ow, 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 hear me. It's never too late to get it right and do it right. Okay, maybe you've blown it. Maybe you say, ah, I just haven't been doing it that way, so I might as well just keep doing it the way I've always been doing it. Hear, Hear me, hear me this morning. It's not too late for you to start doing it right and getting it right, okay? Let's make sure that we're coming under the way God instructs us when it comes to this area of our life. The first myth I wanna talk about is this today. It isn't that big of a deal. It's just sex, It isn't that big of a deal. It's just sex. We're in a culture right now, the man is screaming sex. Can I tell you what I hate right now is commercials. Commercials. Um, I will be watching like The Little Mermaid with my girls. I haven't watched The Little Mermaid in forever, but you can watch something on a Disney channel show, all right? And this isn't a Disney hate right now. I'm just saying we watch Disney movies, and you're like, ah. Anyways, that's another day, another topic, okay? Watch Peter Pan. All of a sudden, an ad, a commercial comes on for a show that's all about sex, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, mute it, turn it, mute it, turn it. You know, it's all about Cialis coming on. I'm like, man, Come on, old people, get out of that bathtub. You know, stop that. <laughs> there's, there's, it's just, it's just bombarded. We are bombarded with sex in our culture. You watch commercials for mowing equipment. I'm not exaggerating. For mowing equipment, they got this girl all by this mower. Cuts the grass so clean and edgy. And I'm like, what the, what, what, what is happening right now? Why bad boy lawn products? You know, I'm like, <laughs> like the guy's pushing them over, like, oh, this make me look sexy. No, it doesn't make you look any sexier. She doesn't care. That song, she thinks my tractor's sexy is a lie. Um, <laughs> she doesn't think it's sexy, Tim McGraw. She doesn't. Um, we are bombarded with it, like perfume commercials. I'm like, good Lord, should have, should have like NC-17 rating. I'm like, my goodness. And, and here's why it's happening. Because the more you get exposed to it, 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 the less of a big deal it is. You become numb to it. Your kids become numb to it. I went to Miami, Florida a couple years ago, see my best buddy, um, and we were driving around South Beach, and there's Ferraris and Bentleys everywhere, right? And I'm like, look at that Ferrari, holy cow, look at that Bentley, holy cow. I'm like taking pictures, and he's like, dude, 
It's not a big deal. It's a fraud. They're everywhere. He got numb to it, right? He got used to it. It's the exact same way in our culture when it comes to the area of sex. They are trying to feed this myth that it's just sex. It's not that big of a deal. Just sex. Just getting to know each other a little bit better. We're just taking the next step in our relationship. It's not that big of a deal. Hear me, hear me. Sex is a big deal. Sex is a big deal in any confines that it's happening. In a marriage, sex is a big deal. Men, that was your moment. And outside of marriage, sex is a big deal. And so today I want to go into a text that's almost like reading a whole chapter. It's Galatians chapter 5. And as we get into this chapter, I want to set it up because what I love is when, if we're not careful, the church can get really legalistic, can get really religious when it comes about certain topics. And the book of Galatians is all about, man, addressing legalism, addressing just a spirit of religiosity, um, of restrictions. You have to do this, you have to do that. In fact, the big topic of that time was being circumcised. If there were some believers, Judaists, um, Judaizers that were saying, man, if you're not circumcised, then you're not saved. You're not going to heaven. And so they made it all this requirement for you to be able to go to heaven, you had to be circumcised. And Paul comes and he starts addressing this legalistic viewpoint, and he's, we pick up in Galatians uh, chapter 5. I didn't include verse 1, but I want you to hear it, and then we pick up in verse 2 on the screen. It says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, by being circumcised or what we would understand by being good enough or doing good works, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Let me pause here. There's like a gazillion regulations to the law of Moses. Like there's like over 700 regulations to keeping the law of Moses. Picking up in verse four, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, by doing just the right things, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Hear this point, what is important is faith, expressing itself in love. In the very beginning of verse 13 says this, for you have been called to live in freedoms, my brothers and sisters. Now, here's where I want us to stop, because we are a, uh, culture that loves this part. 
We're a church that loves us part. And this is a great part. This is a great part of the Bible, the word of God. The man, it's not based on how you act. It's not based on how you behave, but it's based on the grace of God that you have been forgiven. You can't earn it. You can't disqualify yourself from it. It is amazing grace that saved a wretch like you and me. It is amazing. It is incredible. It sounds great. It is great. It is phenomenal. But what happens is we want to stay here in our theology when it comes to the Lord. We want to stop reading at the beginning of verse 13, chapter 5, verse 13. You know, man, you, you have called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. I am free, baby. Free. Freedom feels so good. And I call this cupcake theology. Okay, I call it cupcake theology. I went to small cakes. I don't know if you guys have ever been to small cakes, but it changed your life. It will change your life. I've got three cupcakes right here. I don't want to take them out because I don't want to. No, I'm going to take them out. You're crazy. Um, here's the deal. Everybody that I know loves a cupcake. Glory. They're awesome, Right? They're, they are fantastic. They taste good. They look good. I mean, even if you don't like cupcakes, there was a point in time you're like, that actually looks pretty awesome. And I'm going to try it. These are not gluten-free cupcakes, by the way. I like gluten. Bring it. <laughs> My body says the more gluten, the better it is. Um, and, and, and here's the deal. A cupcake is great. It tastes good, it's fantastic, but I don't need to live my life just on a diet of cupcakes, right? Because if I do, I'm never gonna get full, I'm going to be way too hyper, and my body, my health is going to pay some serious consequences. But it looks good, it is good, it tastes good, but there's nothing of substance to it. There's nothing nutritious to it. Can I tell you, that's where a lot of us right here, we're right here when it comes to our theology and our relationship with Christ. We want the grace without the responsibility. We want the freedom without the instructions of how to live in that freedom. And we want to say, man, man, but, but it's a cupcake, Justin. It, it looks good. Yeah, 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 it is. But you can't just live on just Man, I am free, but Paul follows it up and says, man, don't use your freedom to feed your sinful nature. And we're getting ready to get into that. Because if you do, there's nothing nutritious coming into your soul. You're not growing. Your soul is being deprived of what God truly wants to do. And some of you, the reason your, your relationship feels hollow, the reason your relationship feels, man, insignificant, is because you have a cupcake theology when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. Let's dive back into Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature instead use your freedom to serve one another in love well Justin still doesn't say anything about sex outside of marriage keep reading here let's keep going for the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself but if you're always biting and devouring one another watch out beware of destroying one another. And I will stop and I will pause here just for a second and say this, church, for way too long, we have looked down and we have, how dare them live like that? 
How dare them behave like that man? Many people don't know any better. They, they, they just, ah, we've got to be a place where people can come in just as they are and they receive the love of God that can change their life. That's your role. Isn't to devour people, isn't to talk about people's mess, isn't to talk about people's drama, but is to love them through it. That's the church and that's where we've gone wrong. So I say, Paul, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you this again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, and this little tidbit at the very end, self-control. Self-control. See, what, what I have found out, we love to read the first part of the scriptures but not follow through with the end parts that we don't like. And I love this quote by Jim Cimbala. He says, when we see only what we want to see in the Bible, it loses all power to transform us. And can I tell you this morning, some of us, your relationships need to be transformed. The way you're conducting yourself in your relationship, it's got to be transformed. And, and, and it's got to start with the way you are behaving physically in your relationships. Man, if you're not married, stop buying into the myth of it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. And the big deal about it is it's not just sex like the world is, is conveying. It's not just something that you're doing. Man, it is intimacy and it involves all of you. It involves your mind, your body, your heart, your soul. It involves all of you. It's not just the act, it involves all of you. Check out what Hebrews chapter 13, excuse me, verse four says out of the message. It says, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. Guard that. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. What is casual and illicit sex? Anything that's happening outside of the marriage bedroom. That's it. That's how God defines it. What's casual and illicit sex? Anything that's happening outside of the marriage bed. That's it. When, and here's what I hear a lot. Well, we're planning on getting married, but you're not married, so wait. Well, I, I'm, I'm 50, 50 years old. 
I'm I'm old enough to make my own. Man, the Bible doesn't have an age expiration date to it. So wait. What's true for your teenager is true for you. It's the Bible. It's true. It's applicable. Most of the time, if you want to read, Moses didn't really start stepping into all that God had for him until he was 80 years old. He didn't say, well, God, I'm 80 years old. That's not applicable for me. No, it was applicable for him. This is still true no matter what your age may be. Sex is a big, big deal. And you need to wait because it involves all of you. I I, I will give you personal testimony. Um, I waited my whole entire life to have sex with Casey. I didn't have, I have I've known the love of one woman. Um, feel like some Western star there. Like, I have known the love of one woman all my life. Um, but can I tell you, Casey and I were engaged. I know I'm a pastor, but I got to tell you, I'm a man before I'm a pastor. It was difficult. It was, it was let's just be honest, it's difficult to wait. It's, it's difficult to let that part of the fruit of the Spirit, that self-control, have control. It's really difficult to let the Spirit nature of self-control to have control. But we had to control ourselves if we were going to live our lives in a way that God had commanded us. Not on the way that we felt. Man, we loved each other. We were going to get married. We were engaged. We were this. But we had to practice self-control. We had to act and we had to practice patience because patience out of the Amplified Version isn't just the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. We had to practice patience and self-control. And that's not the sexy aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. And I know I just called an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit sexy. But we had to, we had to use self-control. Casey could not come into my apartment. There was no way. Game over. Ding, ding, ding. It's done. I'm like, I will attack you if you come into my apartment. She would, I'm serious. She would come to my door and be like, what do you want? I just, I came by to see him, like, you cannot come see me in my apartment. There's no way. I cannot, no, no. But I just, I miss you too, babe. I will be at your parents' house in just a second, because there's no way, because Bob will kill me. You know, I'm like, (laughs) we had to set up boundaries. And and hear what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So so let me ask this. Let's put some real, like, wheels on this thing. How do you honor God with your body? How do you honor God in your dating life? What boundary, because can can I tell you, if you don't put boundaries, you're gonna run off the road. If you don't put some guardrails in your life, you're gonna drift, you're going to wreck. You're gonna wreck yourself. What boundaries can you put in your life as a single person? While you're waiting for that someone to come along. What, What boundaries can you put in? 
What boundaries do you need to put in into your dating life, into your engaged life? Married couples, what boundaries do you need to put in to your relationship to make sure that the sexual activity stays inside the bedroom and doesn't drift to other places it doesn't belong? What are some of the boundaries that you can do that you are using self-control and you are using patience to make sure that you don't come to a place where you start rationalizing and buying into a myth that it's just sex. But you make sure that you know, that your kids know, that your spouse knows, and that you live out that, man, I understand sex is a big deal. The second thing is this, and I'm gonna talk to my married couples for a little bit. Second myth is this, a healthy sex life just happens. Oh, it just happens. Proverbs chapter five, verse 18 through 19, out of the message, says, enjoy the wife you married as a young man. Lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Yes, amen. Never take her love for granted. This verse sounds awesome, doesn't it, men? Bam. Yes, Lord, here I am, send me. You know, you're just like, yeah, it's in the Bible, babe. But can I tell you, a healthy sex life, it doesn't just happen. The movies aren't real, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me just spell that out for you. I want our relationship to look like La La Land. I don't even know what is La La Land. I just know it's a musical and about a relationship, I think. I hope I didn't just get myself in trouble. But the movie life isn't real life. It isn't real life. And I will tell you this, gentlemen, if the relationship isn't good outside the bedroom, it won't be good inside the bedroom. If you're not doing the work outside the bedroom, if you're not pursuing your wife outside the bedroom, life's not gonna be good inside the bedroom. If the relationship isn't good outside the bedroom, it's not gonna be good inside it. So, how do we have a healthy sex life. Some of us, we're just lost in this area, right? I mean, let's be honest. We're just we're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. It just hasn't happened. Well, no, it doesn't just happen. You gotta put work in to make, I, I talked about this last week. You gotta do the work to make it work, okay? And, and this is an area that you got to work for it. You, got, you gotta work for it. It takes work to make this work, because here's the deal, is that sex has been so awkward to talk about that our parents didn't talk to us about sex and what a healthy sex life looks like because you were like, ew, ew, stop. It's gonna be Charlie next service. Dad, ah, can I just serve both services? <laughs> no, nobody talks about it, and that's the first, if you're going to have a healthy sex life, man, you gotta communicate the need. You can't just have the need, you gotta communicate the need. We talked about this last week, talking about communication. And I will tell you this, man, you, when it comes to your sex life and a healthy sex life, and hear me, dating couples, oh, that's not gonna be us. This is going to be you. 
Engaged, that won't be, this is going to be you. Singles, I said, man, I, I said so much dumb stuff before I got married when I was a single guy. I was like, oh, that, this is how my marriage is going to work. And this is going to do this. It's going to do this. It's going to do this. And she's just going to be thankful for me all the time. I know, listen. <laughs> listen, you're being dumb right now. Okay, take it from someone who was really dumb. You're going to have to communicate the need. And as I said last week, the more sensitive the topic, the more careful you got to be. The more careful you've got to be. So let me give you just a few steps on this communication part. When you're communicating, you need to find the right time and have the right attitude. And you, first thing, can't blame. When things get blamed, nothing changes. When we blame things, nothing changes. It doesn't change things. Blaming things doesn't change things. And if you come in and you say, well, you never, you don't, you don't, you don't. She won't, she won't, she won't, she won't. It's not about being right. It's about communicating the need. And if you start blaming, you're communicating a right rather than a need. The second thing I would tell you is this. Come to a realistic expectation and goal for intimacy as a couple. A realistic expectation, gentlemen. A realistic expectation, gentlemen. <laughs> you guys going to have to talk about it. You're going to have to communicate about it. What, what is... What's the win in this area for us? What is, what, what do you need? Well, that's crazy talk right now, so let's meet halfway. You know, let's, let's communicate and let's come to an understanding together as a couple. And the third thing is this, come up with a plan. Well, that sounds unromantic. If you... <laughs> If you got kids in this place and you're waiting for it to be spontaneous, let's go back to our first point. Come up with a realistic expectation <laughs> of what your love life and your sex life is going to look like. You, you, gotta, you gotta plan it. Man, okay, write it in your calendar. I'm good with that. I'm like, hey. But you gotta come up with a plan. You got you got to plan for things to happen. When Casey and I go on a trip and a vacation, we'll just show up to the airport like, hey, where you wanna go today? Sure, let's go. Let's let's make this happen. No, no, no. There's planning, there's strategizing that happens when we do trips and when we're going through our weeks and when we're going through life. And can I tell you, your sex life is worth planning for and preparing for. It makes you communicate about it, but it doesn't seem romantic. It can still be romantic. You just gotta put the work in to make it romantic. Second thing I would tell you about how to have a healthy sex life is this, don't just know the need, respect the need. And this is my wife's point. So I get out of trouble right now. Joel knows why I'm saying that. Don't just know the need, Respect the need. If he gets the gumption and the courage to talk to you ladies, or let's, let's reverse this because it's not always that way. 95% of the time it is, but hey, there's those five percenters. 
she gets the nerve up to talk to you, husband, don't just know the need. Oh, I got you. I hear you. Stop your whining. Whatever. Oh, yeah, more sex, whatever. You, you know the need. Respect that it is a need. Respect that it is a need. Don't just have, knowledge doesn't bring respect, but meeting the need brings respect. One of my wife's biggest needs is for us to sit down, like I'm doing right now, and drink coffee and talk. That means I have to be still. I have to focus <laughs> while putting caffeine into my body. And most of the time, it involves chocolate. Caffeine and chocolate into my body, looking and talking to her, that's her need. And can I tell you what doesn't happen? We don't sit down. You got to pretend this is a coffee cup. I'll say, go, Casey. Are you happy? That me? Okay. Are we done? Here, hold on. Okay. Talk, 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 talk. Okay. Punch list is done. I'll see you next Tuesday. Right? It's not on my to-do list. It's not like I just, oh, let's get this over with. No, that's not respecting the need. Me sitting there talking and asking and conversing with her. And you know what? What has happened? I like sitting still, putting caffeine in my body and sugar in my body and talking now. I like sitting down and talking and connecting with my wife. Because I know it's a need for her, and I want to meet that need for her. Can I tell you, it's the same way in the bedroom. It can't become part of your just punch list, to-do list, like, it's Wednesday again. Come on. Follow me to the bedroom. You know, it's, I don't know why I put my face up to a microphone. <laughs> I don't know why it just happened. <laughs> that could have gone wrong so quick. Um, <laughs> stick to the script, man. <laughs> stick to the script. <laughs> stick to the notes, Graves. <laughs> I'm sweating now. Um, It's not, <laughs> it's not just about getting it over with, but it is truly about respecting the need. And let me say this. Now my wife just doesn't instigate coffee time. Now I instigate coffee time. Why? Because I know it makes her feel loved. And let me throw this out there to all the spouses Instigate what makes them feel loved. Don't make them always ask, but you instigate it, and you make them feel loved. It says this in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. It says, now getting down to the question you asked in your letter to me, first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? I love the message translation sometimes. Verse 2, certainly 
but only with a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage... The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times, then come back together again. And here's why. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not understand commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. It's a good thing. We've been taught that sex is a bad night. It's a good thing when it's in the right context. And that context is marriage. So make sure that you are instigating and you don't just know the need, but you respect the need. The third thing is this. It's my last point. Don't be self-focused, but instead be spouse-focused. Don't be self-focused, but instead be spouse-focused. I will tell you, we're a very self-focused culture. What about me? What have you done for me lately? It's all about me. It's all about my needs. It's all about my requests. It's all about me, 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 me. And we're very self-focused. It's all about my kids, not other people's kids. It's all about my, what's in my best interest, not other people's best interest. And that's what I love what we're doing in Kenya because it's not about us, Foundations Church. It's not about building our church. It's about building God's church and his kingdom. And it's not self-focused or inward-focused. It's outward-focused. It's not about you being self-focused any longer when you get into your marriage. If your marriage is gonna make it through the better times and the worst times, and hear me, man, there's gonna be some worse moments and it's not anybody's fault. You just drift into a funk and you just get there where emotions don't feel like there's any involved and you feel like you're not loved and you feel like you don't love him or she doesn't love you but you can't follow your feelings because I've said it a hundred times but feelings make bad bad leaders but they make great companions and you're going to have feelings that are contrary to the truth and if you are going to make it through the worst times and experience the best times that only happens when you stay spouse focused instead of self focused because I got to tell you marriage is not give and take marriage is give and give Amen. it's give and give you keep giving and you keep giving and you keep giving because you love them and for some of us here Maybe we've talked and we've had fun this morning. I, I promise I'm, I'm rounding third base and coming home. I'm closing. But if you're married in this place, understand the significance of the role you possess. You are the only source God created to meet the sexual need of your spouse. You're the only source God created for you to meet the sexual need of your spouse. 
And here's what I want to tell you, because when you understand this, and this is so true, when you understand this, it will change the way you think about intimacy in your marriage. It's not a place of pressure, but it's a place of significance that you have. That, that's not to put pressure on, well, I'm the only one. That, no, no, no. I'm the only, that is a place of significance that you hold in their life. And hear me, just like our first point was, sex is a big deal. And a healthy sex life doesn't just happen. You got to put the work in to make it a reality. I close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. Out of the Amplified Version says, love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. And I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads right now, right where we are. If you're by your spouse, man, grab their hands. If you're dating somebody, grab their hands. And I want to read this over you one more time. Because this is being spouse-focused and not self-focused right here, this verse. When it comes to relationships with your kids, this, this is it. This is all what it's about. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 5, God, I pray that their love endures with patience and serenity, that their love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious God, that their love doesn't brag and isn't proud or arrogant, that it's not rude, that they're not self-seeking in their relationship and in their marriage, that it's not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered, and that it doesn't take into account a wrong endured. But Lord, this morning I pray in this place that we wouldn't just settle into who we become, but we would step into being the spouse that our spouse doesn't just need, but they want. That's love. That's love to its highest. And God, this morning, it's much bigger than just the bedroom, but God, I pray in this place this morning that we would make our relationship healthy in every aspect of it. God, that we would put the work in to our spouse, not because of what we get out of it, but because we simply love them. We're not self-seeking. We're not arrogant. But we're just loving them. That we wouldn't let love be something that we possessed, but it would be something that we are doing. That we would keep love a verb in our relationships today. God, I pray for all of us, God, that maybe we're not married. And Lord, there's a culture shift that's happening that just says it's not a big deal. Sex isn't a big deal. Sex isn't, it, it might as well just jump in and go for it. God, I pray this morning that Lord, we're not called to listen to how the culture defines it, but we're called to listen to how your word defines it. And Lord, I pray this morning we would understand it's a big deal and that we would wait for your best that we wouldn't live our lives with regret and remorse. God, we would live it 
not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity you've given us. God, I pray that that would be how we live this out in the area of our relationships. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Justin, I'm here. And I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. We want to give you that chance. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Justin, it's not that so much, but I'm just, man, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I need to recommit my life to him today. I need need to get things right, and I need to come back home. When I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand if that's you, and we want to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me, that's me. There's one hand. Is there anyone else? You join this one hand that's lifted across this place. You say, Justin, that's me today. You're joining this one hand that's lifted before we go any further. Is there anyone else? Anyone else before we go any further? Yeah, I see your hand in the back. There's two hands. Is there anyone else before we go any further? Before we go any further. Man, this is so important. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these two individuals that raised their hands a huge round of applause? Yeah, what an awesome, awesome moment. Hey, if you raise your hand, we want to invite you. Go to our Connect Center. Sign up. We believe everybody has a next step. Your next step is to get baptized. We've got a baptism, a plunge getting ready to happen in a few months that we want to get you signed up for so that it can just be that next step, that next moment that you go public with a change that just happened at your seat or online at home. If you've been watching and you just said that prayer, you can sign up online. Also, text the word RESPONSE to the number 245. We would love to send some information right to your phone to help you in your relationship with Jesus Christ because we believe that growing equals changing, that now that you've said this prayer, there's a change that has happened and there's growth that needs to occur. We want to help you with that. If you're new here, maybe this is your first time you would like more information about the church or you said a first-time prayer, go to our Connect Center when you're heading in the lobby. Take a left. It's the bright green room on your left. We would love, love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have. If everybody would stand across this building, hey, Foundation Church, let me say this. We'll get the numbers about what is happening and what's going on with Kenya. I am so, so excited about what God is doing in this place. But let me say one thing about the sermon today. The sermon was not here for shock factor or to offend anyone. If you got offended, that is not my heart at all today but it's to be instructive about what the Word of God says to us about this area of our life that is really sensitive. And I hope my prayer as your pastor is that your relationship is healthy in every way. Shannon, if you'll lead us, and we will see you guys next Sunday. Great are you, Lord. Sing all the earth will shout.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.